between the pit of one's fears and the summit of one's knowledge. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Will Smith is moving the production of his new film, Emancipation, from Georgia to Louisiana. This is to protest the state's new voting laws. The decision will cost Georgia an estimated $15 million. Several companies and organizations are retaliating against those new voting laws. They crack down on ID checks while voting and limit absentee ballots. Will Smith's new movie, Emancipation, opened in select theaters this weekend. But perhaps the biggest news was that Smith made the media rounds. These were his first appearances after slapping comic Chris Rock at this year's Oscars. Here, Smith is speaking to a reporter at Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. My deepest hope is that my actions don't penalize my team, that the power of the film would open people's hearts. Smith is the latest and perhaps most high-profile recent example of a celebrity trying to win back the public's support after a damaging scandal. Other stars seem to have been less successful. Here to talk about how modern celebrities work their way back from controversy is NPR TV critic and media analyst Eric Deggins. Hey, Eric. Hi. So, Eric, Will Smith stayed out of the media for months after this year's Oscars, and now he's been out there promoting his new movie. So to start here, two questions. First, what is he trying to do here? And second, is it working? Will Smith is executing a pretty standard and, frankly, effective return to the public. You know, he'd, he'd been keeping out of media, but with Emancipation's release... He appeared for a high-profile interview in a friendly venue. He talked over the scandal last week with Daily Show host Trevor Noah, who admitted that he's Smith's friend. And then he hit the red carpet and a few other friendly media outlets. And he, he emphasized how he hopes that audiences disregard the scandal for the sake of his co-workers. And that's kind of a common strategy for big-name celebrities in trouble. You disappear for a while, you talk over the controversy with a friendly interviewer, and then you return to public events and kind of act as if the situation is mostly behind you. Okay, so in recent years, we've seen a number of celebrities face public scandals which damage their image. Some seem to have come back from those problems more quickly and completely than some others. Do you have a sense of why that is? Well, I think one important question is whether the celebrity is generally judged to be at fault and have they sufficiently atoned. Now, think about Johnny Depp's civil domestic violence case, for instance. His trial revealed enough conflicting information in his fight with his ex-wife Amber Heard that fans could maybe feel comfortable taking his side. But I think the jury's still out on whether Hollywood will bankroll another big movie with him as the star. 
Now, I think it also matters whether or not there's a sense that the celebrity will get in trouble again in the same way. And if the celebrity can make the case that it was a one-time mistake like Smith is doing right now, I think that allows fans to be a little more forgiving. We've seen a number of celebrities lose their careers when they were facing allegations of harassment and abuse in the wake of the Me Too movement. Has anyone created a pathway back to mainstream acceptance after scandals like this, which became national movements? I don't think we've seen anybody fully rebuild their career among those who are facing serious, substantial allegations of harassment and abuse in recent years. But comic Louis C.K., he seems to be trying. I mean, in 2017, the New York Times reported on five women who accused him of sexual misconduct. He admitted it was true, and he saw his career mostly disappear. But now he's resumed stand-up comedy tours. He released a film. He won a Grammy Award this year for Best Comedy Album. He seems to be doing these projects that speak directly to his fans. And so he's connecting with people who still like him, and they'll pay to access his work. All right, so getting back to Will Smith here, I have to ask, do you think this strategy is going to help him rescue his new film, Emancipation? I think that's going to be tough to judge. You know, Apple TV doesn't release much information on viewership. I've seen the film. It's a really well-made epic, but it depicts a lot of violence, torture, and death during the Civil War, and some audience members might not want to see that. I do think that Smith has rescued his personal image somewhat, but he's going to need to avoid trouble in the future, and some former fans may never fully forgive him. That is NPR TV critic Eric Daggins. Eric, thank you. Thank you. The movie Emancipation is out today on Apple TV+. I heard it myself. Slaves are free. Free. Will Smith plays an enslaved person in Louisiana, hearing of the Emancipation Proclamation's promise of freedom. Smith and other enslaved people flee toward that promise, but what they find behind the Union Army's lines challenges their ideas of a benevolent North. This is the first movie Smith has appeared in since he slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. And for more, we're joined by NPR TV critic Eric Deggins. Hi, Eric. Hi. So after what happened at the Oscars, does this movie put Will Smith back on the map? Good question. Uh, (laughs) You know, Will Smith is one of these guys who always tries to make an event out of every movie that he does. The event part of this film is that he's portraying this person who he's part of a classic photograph, an enslaved person um, who shows his back to the camera and you see just acres and acres of scars along his back. It's a well-known photo. And so they decided to build a film around, well, what, what if we took that guy's life story and made it into a film? So Will plays that guy. And it's interesting, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird aside, but you know, he, he originally considered playing the lead role in Django Unchained. And it's a similar character in that this is an enslaved person, but he somehow manages to overcome all of these things to, um, he's almost like a Superman in a way. He eludes the people who are trying to track him and he uh, somehow knows exactly what to do in every uh, instance to outwit the people who are trying to oppress him. And it's shot with this um, in a way it's beautiful, even though it's brutal. They're, they're very, they vividly depict how the enslaved people are treated, but 
they also have these very beautiful shots of the environment that they're in. And so it's an interesting contrast. It's an interesting film, but I'm not sure it's the kind of film that is going to put Will Smith back at the center of the film business in the way that maybe he wants to be. Well, let's listen to a clip. Uh, Will Smith's character is a little shocked when he reaches the Union Army. He doesn't quite find the freedom he expected. Here he is with a Union officer. Am I not free to keep yourself steady? Technically, while you're here, you're contraband. Stolen property. Lincoln say I am free. Oh, he did. Well, that's a good thing. Is this movie challenging some convenient historical narratives? Well, I guess it depends on how much you know. I mean, one of the uh, issues that has always sort of plagued America is that people don't know enough about this time. They don't know enough about the details of the Civil War and how the North had its own complex and sometimes disappointing take on how to treat uh, black people, folks who were um, born free and folks who were freed from slavery. So there are going to be people who will say, we know this story. I mean, it's not like this history is particularly hidden. But again, they're, they're, I'm sure for some people it will be, be a, something of a revelation. It's hard to watch. I mean, let's be frank. You use the word brutal. What do you say to folks, particularly black folks, who just don't want to keep seeing the horror of slavery in media year after year after year? Frankly, I think that's the movie's biggest challenge. You know, this movie has a lot of pain in it. There's a lot of visceral depictions of black people being victimized. And it also has this weird thing uh, that I've seen uh, also in Django, where there's one enslaved person who seems to, you know, be able to resist. He's always defiant in ways that don't make sense. You know, other characters get killed for showing the same level of defiance, but for some reason he's uh, preserved. And he manages to overcome everything in a way that no other black person around him does. And I think, um, to me, that's that's one of the problems with movies like this, is that, you know, they show that there's... Um, if you can just find the courage inside yourself to stand up to these people, then somehow you you survive this brutal system that has uh, unfortunately very effectively oppressed and violated people for centuries. So part of that is what bothers me, but I think what would bother a lot of people is they're, they're just tired of seeing black people subjugated and in pain and tortured for hours in movies. Mm-hmm. Kind sir. How are you? I am so good. I flew 30 hours to be here with you. Where, where, yeah, where were yes. you? Where were you? In uh, Bhutan. What are you doing there? Bhutan. Uh, the, the Nat Geo show. Uh, you, so you're traveling around the traveling world? Traveling around the world. To, uh, Just like finding the... the secrets of life. And are you mm. finding them? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we've seen you everywhere. I mean, you, you've been everywhere in the world. Like you say, Bhutan, you mm. travel the Middle East and yeah. Africa. And where mm. are you going next? South Pole? Uh, South Pole, yes. That's a real thing? Yes. Um, but why? Why? Yeah. Like, what are you hoping to discover there? So we're that no, black you, people don't like the cold? What are you doing? What are you, <laughs> why are you there, Will? No, so the, the, the show is, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to be announcing it yet, but the show is called Pole to Pole. Okay. So we're going from the South Pole to, to the North Pole and all the stops along the way. And uh, we're, we are uh, 
See, it's called other people's wisdom. So like we're seeking the, the, the wisdom. There are people who live at the South Pole. They're yeah. researchers. So we're going there. We're going to talk to them. Right. And, all, and the scientists, all the scientists. Like, yes. Basically, they say, like, the world's knowledge is stored the at the South yes, Pole, absolutely. essentially. Right. You got I'm sorry, you're making me cry already. When, when you're talking yeah, about the South Pole. I know. Yeah, you're talking about, <laughs> I just, no, I just, the South Pole is just such a... <laughs> When I think about all that cold, <laughs> I'm surprised you're awake, man. The Thank guy, you. the guy who discovered the South Pole is named Will Smith. For real? Yep, that's true. You said that so I don't even know if you're lying right now. You said, no, that, no. <laughs> you said that so convincingly. I know. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. You'll be somebody can Google it. Somebody can okay, Google it. Okay, right, I'll just believe you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you're traveling around the world. Yeah. Uh, Emancipation. Emancipation. I, I, I yes. just, I just watched it. Mm -hmm. It is. A, I mean, you, it's so hard to describe movies like mm -hmm. this because you, you, people see it in the clip. Yeah. But you play one of the most famous unknown people, surprisingly, yes, and you know what I mean. Absolutely. From America's history. Yeah. A man whose picture went around the world that basically showed many people who yeah. didn't know innately yeah. how brutal slavery was. Let's, let's talk about this, first of all. Yeah. Emancipation is not the kind of film we would expect to see you in immediately as Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So why this project? Why get into the story? And why this story in particular? You know, when I, when I read this script, man, it, it's like, you know, we, we, you've probably seen the image. Um, it's uh, a, a, a black man, and it's his, you know, his, his back, and... His arm, and he's sitting. So it's a pretty, right. pretty famous yeah, picture. Yeah, I think we, we have that image. Oh, yeah, here. I think it's one of the famous yeah, ones. Yeah, yes. So, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's that that image. And uh, first, seeing that image was one of the things that really uh, got me, you know, excited to explore this because you you see the image, but you don't know who he is. You don't know what the story is. And then as I started to do uh, the research, and you know, it's uh, uh, American slavery was, you know, one of the most uh, brutal aspects of human history. Right. You know, it was, it was, it was something that was, was so incomprehensible. You know, it was just so, it, it, it's hard to understand the, the, the level of human cruelty. Um, and the, the screenplay was spectacular. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. uh, Antoine Fuqua just, he, you know, he, he did his thing on this, man. And, you it's know. gripping the whole way through. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you that much. It's, it's scary. It is, it is gripping. It is not, it's yeah, not glamorizing. Yeah. Because, it, because it is the story of how you know, the union is moving. Yep. And people start hearing whispers of Lincoln has declared yes. that, you know, slavery is abolished. He's freed the slaves. Yeah. But then you see, you see how yeah. many people haven't received that news and you see how that news doesn't change everybody's lives overnight. Yeah, so the emancipation was uh, January 1st. Right. And slaves weren't free until June 19th. So right. the, 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 the period of emancipation... Right? 1865, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, 1865, yeah. So January 1st, Slaves were free, but the South refused yeah. to allow the slaves to be free. So the the enslaved people started trying to run to get to Lincoln's army, uh, and in Baton Rouge is where Lincoln's army was from from this this place in Louisiana. So it's about that period yeah. where the slaves were free, but they weren't being freed. So it's a it's a you know it is a beautiful beautiful movie, um, and you know so. My daughter asked me, she's like, Daddy, do we really need another slave movie when right. I was thinking about it? And I was like, I said, baby, I promise you I wouldn't make a slave movie. This is a freedom movie.
you know. Oh, wow. You know. Wow. Yeah, you know. It, wow. Yeah. It, it's, it is interesting that you say that. Yeah. It is interesting that you say that because the story, you know, one of my favorite lines in the movie is when, um, you know, I think it's one, one of the, he's leading one of the battalions and he talks yeah. to your character, yeah, right? Absolutely. He's like a general, commando, and he, yeah. he says to your character, he says, I was born free. Mm -hmm. He says, we're allowed to own houses, we're, we're allowed, allowed to do this, to do, we're allowed, yeah, yeah. we're allowed. And your character says to him... If, you're, if someone must allow you to do it, are you really free? Right. You know, and you know, the, the, this film, what's really, what's really interesting about it is it, it centers on faith, you know, and the power of faith, you know, to be able to endure anything, mm -hmm. you know. And th th this character, it's just what, what he had to endure and what he had to survive, um, only God could, you know, make a man, when you look at those marks on his back, yeah. you know, only God could make that possible, you know? And there, there, he talks about a period in, in doing the research, he talks about he was whipped into a coma. And he was in a coma for three months and it, he said Jesus. that he met God while he was in the coma. And when he came out, he believed in a way that he had never believed wow. before. And yeah, I learned the difference between faith and revelation, right? right? So faith is one thing when you have to, you know, you have to have faith. I'm not crying to my eyes, you know, I just got tired. <laughs> I got airplane eyes, I got airplane yeah, been eyes. Yeah, I, mean, I got airplane eyes, you know, but you know, the, the difference between faith uh -huh. and revelation, uh -huh. right? That, that he walked in the world um, with a knowledge of the divine, with a knowledge of God that was just something I desperately wanted to understand and explore. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you watch the film, you wonder, you know, it's one of those movies where you watch it and you go, this is harrowing, this is gripping, this is, it's, it's wild, it yeah. seems unbelievable. Yeah. And then you see the yeah. images of the real person and you, you, your mind cannot comprehend that it was possible for this to happen to a human being and that yeah. they actually exist. It, it, it's a story that, you know, that, that goes beyond everything. And, mm. and I'd love to know, like, in, in the telling of the story, you know, beyond faith, yeah. beyond revelation, what is the biggest thing you took away from it? Because it's interesting, you know, I, I get what your daughter was saying, do we need another slave yeah. movie? Yeah. And I understand what you're saying about it being mm. a freedom movie. But I feel like each story has a different yeah, lesson, yes. you know, because it's a, it's a yeah. movement, it's a revolution, it's a, it's a quest for freedom. What, what do you think was the biggest lesson you took away from the story? You know, I, I think that, you know, as an actor, anytime you go into these characters and you you uh, you go these deep this deep into these roles, it it changes something about you. You understand something mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you didn't understand um, before, and I, I guess the the. The, the major thing that came through for me with, with Peter is the, the power of the direction of love, right? So this is, he's trying to get back to his family. Mm -hmm. And that, that comprehension of love and how love actually is a superpower. You know, when you can fill your heart with that kind of love, it, it's a propulsion yeah. that is unlike any other thing. It's stronger than fear, it's stronger than hate, you know, it's, it's stronger than tired, you know. It's like when you can really latch into and fill your heart with love in a way, 
it, it really is shield and armor, unlike anything that exists. That's beautiful. Yeah. Activity Radio, Radio, and I'm your host, John G. Horse. Horse. Welcome. You have found your family in a peaceful place. PAR is a family-friendly information distribution program seeking, seeking to inform non-white people, in particular, black classified. Black classified. And assisting in counter racist codification. codification. Yes, indeed. Go on, let this thing sizzle in your spirit. The energy, the ambiance is right and exact. It's right and exact. Ah, ah. PAR is a family-friendly information distribution program dedicated to creating less confusion for people subject to non-white in particular black classification. Less confusion with the ultimate goal of solving problems. Replace the system of racism white supremacy with a system of justice. Immediately. Replace the system of racism white supremacy with a system of justice. Immediately. Yes indeed. Let's get at Let's get at Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'd like to take this time to acknowledge and give thanks to all the hardworking, law-abiding, blue-collar, John Henryism practitioners, practitioners, subject to non-white, in particular, black classification, who has taken the time to dig into their pockets, their wallets, their purses, purses. and distributing all spare pennies, nickels, and dimes that they have had to offer. And I'd like to say once again, much appreciated. Uh, uh. John G. Horses Cash App is dollar sign capital J, O, H, N, capital H, O, R, S, E. Feel free to donate if you feel this program is constructive and worth your time. Feel free to donate if you feel this program is constructive and worth your time. Where do we begin? Where do we begin is always the question. 
and this is PAR, People Activity Radio, and I'm your gracious and humble host, John G. Horse. You have indeed found your family in a peaceful place. Let me sit, turn down the music so I can get into this commentary. And the title of today's episode is Will Smith's Emancipation Film Review by yours truly, John G. Horse. One more time, Will Smith's Emancipation Film Review by John G. Horse. And I know you're going to ask old John G., why are you endorsing, reporting on, promoting another slave movie, old John G. And that is a legitimate question. And you know how old John G. likes to take the long route to the data. So I got to tell a story on how old John G. even found himself watching this movie. Because I got to be honest. I ain't want no part of this movie or anything coming out of Hollywood that had anything to do with the institution of slavery in the United States of America. How did I come to that conclusion? Well, trial, error, and trauma brought me to that conclusion. And I think uh, it was a series of events. Two films that come to mind that had me come to the conclusion of uh, I'm done, I'm out. I'm tired of being ambushed, pummeled, beat down for two hours plus uh, when dealing with Hollywood in particular, but in the institution of slavery, Hollywood, man, they just run circles around uh, non-white people in particular. People subject to black classification. And I... I think um, one of the last films that I knowingly, deliberately watched and I knew that it was involving the institution of slavery was a film produced by our beloved sister, our beloved fellow victim, Oprah Winfrey. And I believe the title of the film was beloved and I'm trying to draw memories of what the synopsis was but basically it was the horrors of slavery the effects of the trauma uh, received by people subject to black classification and the trauma was so bad and I hope you folks ain't watched the movie because it's going to be a spoiler the trauma was so bad till the main character our beloved Oprah Winfrey, when giving birth to her kids, one of her children, she slit her throat. She ain't wanted to deal with uh, the terror that was show enough gonna come being black classified under a system of chattel slavery in these United States. And the scenes and the uh, and, and, and the uh, images produced in that film alone, I was exhausted 
I was I was worn down. I was I was traumatized. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. Scrub my hands together. Never again. I ain't watching none of these films because I'm not. There's no payoff. There's no payoff. All it is is Negro trauma drama, which seems to be a delicacy for people who classify themselves as white and we suspect believe in the system of racism, white supremacy. Now, that's either true or it's not true. And I am specifically speaking about the institution, the industry of Hollywood. Really ain't nothing constructive coming up out of there. Uh, especially for non-white people, in particular people subject to black classification. All you're going to get is the menstrual blackface caricatures. If you are a fan or if you are a follower of my content, you can scroll down to my first episodes. My first episodes, I went in heavily on the industry of Hollywood, minstrelsy, uh, blackface, uh, anti-black caricatures, the whole nine yards. If you find that to be something of interest, I would recommend looking at some of my earliest uh, videos regarding that topic. And around 2003, I believe, when YouTube had uh, start popping, 2002, 2003, I could be error, uh, Old John G's getting old, so sometimes this stuff is blurry and foggy. And I'm coming from the top of the dome right now, so if uh, you want to fact check me, you know, you can do Googles while I'm talking. But around the early 2000s is when the YouTube uh, platform got popping. Nobody knew what it was until it came on the scene and, you know, we were just figuring out what it was. But this YouTube thing had this algorithm. And at the time uh, when going on the YouTube platform. Old John G was a connoisseur of black exploitation film at the time. I'm less confused now, but at that time, I was a little bit more confused. And I was under the impression that this was uh, organic culture of people uh, subject to black classification, but you know, you live a little, you learn a little, and that was the furthest thing from the truth. But that's neither here nor there. I'm speaking about this time period because the algorithm would always send me, because I would consume the shafts and the big payback and the hammers, you know, all these films, and they would occasionally send me these old slave movies made in the 60s and in the 70s. I remember one of them uh, starring uh, Ken Norton, one of the boxers that uh, fought against uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, I forget the title of that movie, but if you look up Ken Norton, you look at it, look up his filmography, uh, you, you'll see what film I'm talking about. And I watched that. And this was after I vowed not to watch slave movies again. But the thing was, I didn't know that there was plenty of 
content made in the 50s, 60s, and 70s regarding the institution of slavery. Now, when I'm in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, <clears throat> the uh, politically correct game wasn't popping back then. So you was getting straight, no chaser, uh, clean as a whistle. <sighs> Racism, stomp down white supremacy in these films and it was almost like a train wreck I couldn't stop watching them again going against my boycott I became intrigued by this culture of very elaborate detailed uh, documented and verified historical pieces coming out of the industry of Hollywood. Which brings me to a film that got sent to me by way of the algorithm. The YouTube algorithm, that is. That being said, there was a film titled Goodbye, Uncle Tom. At the time... I didn't think it was going to be any harm in watching this film because at that time I was actually reading Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. And it was a long movie, two, two plus hours, almost three, if I'm not mistaken, from memory. If you want to fact check me, please feel free to do your Googles. Let's move on. But this film, Goodbye Uncle Tom, was not written in screenplay form. It was almost a performative, scripted docudrama, for the lack of a better term. They would have these scenes of antebellum slavery, and they were showing every aspect of the institution of slavery. What you're talking breeding farms, they show breeding farms. You're talking incest, you're talking rape, men and women. You're talking sexual trafficking, men and women. Heterosexual and homosexual uh, scenes. And these, at the time, I thought was actors and actresses. I was thinking, why on earth would they volunteer when they see the script to perform some of these scenes in this disgusting portrayal? Well, I guess there is no glorious way to portray the institution of slavery, but this particular presentation was extremely terroristic. For the lack of a better term. Now, the film was out of Italy. And an interesting fact about this film that I found out later was those were not black actresses and actors, so to speak, in the traditional form. What the directors and the producers did out of Italy they went to Haiti and developed a relationship with uh, then uh, President, 
Papa Doc, I'm sorry I don't got his full name, but he's quite popular in Haitian history. Papa Doc actually made them uh, national dignitaries, and he said, y'all are free to film wherever you want on the island, however you want, and you can use anything you want, including our residence. Now, I assume that Papa Doc got cut some tangibles in a check or a perpetual check for this particular production. I don't know the politics and the, the economic uh, angle on this, but what I thought was actors were act, actually third world Haitian citizens being exploited in the most vile, disgusting piece of cinema that I have ever seen up to that date in my life. And this is around 2007, 2008. Now, for research purposes, if you go and investigate and watch for yourself to see what old John G is saying, I'm not putting respect on the disgusting nature on the film. So if you want to see what it's all about, all I'm going to tell you, viewer discretion is advised. Viewer discretion is advised. But after being traumatized by goodbye Uncle Tom, I scrubbed my hands together again in 2007, around 2008, and said I'm out. I don't care what they do. They're never going to get me to watch another one of these disgusting displays portraying itself as artistic cinema. Never again. And what, what, what wound up happening is once I started to be uh, very cognizant and, and aware of the shenanigans of the entertainment industry, I became uh, disappointed time after time at all times. I'm watching a Disney film. I'm squirming in my chair, walking in and out of the room. I'm watching a comedy film. I'm getting disgusted looking at overt anti-blackness. Just a grumpy, uh, bitter existence if you want to uh, look at some type of drama under the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, when you are conscious of what's actually taking place when you have self-respect, when you understand history, when you ask questions and you understand the definition of words and how wordplay and imagery and caricature all mixed up into what we think is art is actually warfare against those of us who are subject to non-white, in particular, black classification out of all the entertainment industries around the globe, but in particular, the industry that we know as Hollywood. So to protect myself, I developed a ferocious appetite for non-fiction literature. In particular, any documented and verified literature that would give me any information of my ancestors or non-white people, in particular black classifieds, 
who resisted and countered the warfare that is waged and pummeled upon their heads, our heads, throughout this experiment that we call the United States of America, which naturally brings me to the emancipation generation, I like to call them, in the 1800s, early and mid 1800s, especially around the 1850s and 60s, reading about what the ancestors was doing, uh, regardless of this colonial slavery institution, the things that they did to remove themselves from terroristic onslaught of the colonial powers. And it's tons of documented and verified evidence, but in particular, when you get to the Civil War, which was caused by the ancestors raising hell for over a century, which was crippling the economy of the United States, and it didn't, it was not logical and practical to keep trying to maintain a war, an ongoing war, meaning the institution of slavery was an ongoing war state. You can't protect yourself from outside uh, entities if you're trying to protect yourself from inside entities. So all that raising hell and running amok, and I'm not going to get into the detailed events of the ancestors kind of put the union in a situation where, hey, man, we got we to get up out of this, man. We got to go into a, the Industrial Revolution, man. Everybody else is building while we sitting around here running after all these slave revolts and slave rebellions, trying to protect y'all so-called property, something got to give, which brings me to 1860, 1861, 1862, 1863. Emancipation Proclamation. The Union versus the Confederacy. And I, I just have became consumed and enamored and just I can't get enough of the information of the ancestors during this time, men, women, and children, and elderly. The sacrifice, the gallantry that was put forth to get our ancestors off them killer squad plantations. Really didn't have nothing to do with Self-proclaimed white supremacist, Abraham Lincoln. I'm not going to get into that. Let's move on. So, oh, John G., why are you promoting or why are you talking about this film, Emancipation? Well, I saw the trailer, fellow Black Classifieds. And when I saw the trailer, there was a photo that's a famous photo of a ancestor, took a photo uh, with a bunch of uh, markings on his back. In the film, he goes by the name of Peter. And Peter is on a Louisiana plantation and understanding history, I understand that I believe it was Baton Rouge was taken by the Union Army and word had got to uh, the nearby black classified slaves that if you got to Union territory, you would be free and we would then put a gun up in your hand and you can assist us in quelling or squashing this Confederate rebellion. Uh, 
I mean, this is what was happening. These are the stories that are missing in the consciousness of those of us subject to black classification and descend from United States slaves. We have been beat down, pummeled with the whooping for two hours, the whooping in school, the whooping whereas in ever you looked, all you heard about was some whooping to it. You ain't want to hear nothing about that mess. I don't want to hear nothing about that mess because I don't know nobody in my family, friends, loved ones, in the communities where we find ourselves that's going to take some whoopings. What, what, what was wrong with my ancestors taking all those whoopings? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. You don't relate to it. Hell, even your mama, all, you, you running into the house. <laughs> Boy, what you running into the house every day for? You, you scared? You running from somebody? Where they at? Your mama, your uncles, your cousins going to send your behind back out there. Don't you be running up in here. Go and put in work. And it wasn't about a win or a loss. If you was part of the family, you wanted respect on your name. You ain't going to be the one to be pushed around, putting shame on the family's name. That what was it, it was about. wasn't about the win or the loss. It was about the heart to fight. No matter how insurmountable the odds were. That's what I was taught when I was a little kid in the community from my family members. I didn't know nothing about no taking no whoopings. So how am I going to school, listening to some curriculum, curriculum talking about some submission whoopings? That's not what I see in my environment. And my inner spirit always understood it was something wasn't right about that. I was wasn't detached, but I was just very suspicious of all those messages I was getting from the dominant society. You know, I had uncles that were born in the early 1900s because my grandmother was the baby. She was born in 1920, so she had uncles, or well, she had brothers and sisters that was older than her, some of them which was born in the late 1800s. This is, this is true. And, you know, my uncles would always ride around with their tools on them. And I would visit my uncles out in the uh, country part of Florida. It would take me, you know, to do rites of passage things. And I would always ask my uncle, Uncle George, which was my grandmother's big brother, it, she was born in 1920, so he possibly could have been born in 1910, that, that early. I say, Uncle George, and I'm around about five or six. Uncle George, why you always got your, your tools on you at the time? Why you always got your pistol and your rifle on you? He said, because you never know when them folks don't act a fool. I ain't know what he was talking about then, but I know what he's talking about now. And that is what type of culture he came from. They was in the backwoods. They was in the backwoods where it was a mono, a mono, toe-to-toe thing if law enforcement came in there. It was a mono, a mono, toe-to-toe thing if antagonistic, suspected white supremacists wanted to come in there. 
a lot of uh, my family members that lived in the backwoods, they didn't deal with white folks like that. White folks didn't come up in them woods where the black classifieds was. I would witness this, but I was too young to understand what I was actually witnessing until I started opening the pages and the text of how our ancestors formed maroon societies and communities outside of the grid of uh, white terror domination. I didn't realize I was looking at survival rafts and or black town communities. And if you're going to have a black town community or a survival raft, the price for that is you're willing to die to defend it. That's the mentality from which I come from. Those are the references that was always in my spirit. That's why I would be squirming in my chair watching films, squirming in my chair watching the Eyes on the Prize documentary, squirming in my chair listening to teachers tell me about the whooping my folks took. I didn't know nothing about no whooping. I was always witnessing counter racist ready to ride. Family members, elders, ancestors, whatever you want to call it. Which brings me back to the Will Smith's movie. When I saw that picture of the ancestor with the, 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 the markings on his back, I understood through history that he was actually an individual who did exist. Now, I'm not going to say that the movie was uh, 100% factual. I understand that the movie was based off of his existence. And there had to be a screenplay written about his existence. And the writers of the film decided that they were going to show him as a father of a family in a home with a father, mother, children intact. It's on a plantation, but intact. Film starts off as they all usually do. He's being taken to a hard labor camp because at the time during the Civil War, black classifieds were forced to build railroads, dig ditches, do a lot of the manual labor for the Confederate Army because they were enslaved. They were being leased off by the owners. And in this particular scene when he was being taken from his family to go into this hard labor camp, it wasn't happy. It was a hard scene. It was the usual Negro trauma drama. But something happened in this particular scene. When they were grabbing Will Smith away from his family, I think he hit, hit one of the uh, suspected white supremacist overseers with a one-two. Then it was a scuffle. Some form of masculinity and resistance. A little smidgen. A little smidgen but highly unusual for the institution of Hollywood. The family unit, the love for the wife and the mother and the father. The children all together in the home. A smidgen of stuff that you usually don't see in these type of movies. But I, 
The reason why I was watching it is because I knew eventually this individual was going to get to union lines. And I wanted to see how Will Smith was going to depict. I wanted to see how the writers was going to depict once Tom or Peter, I'm sorry, got to the union lines, got his gun in his hand and his uniform on. How that look? Are we going to see some war war scenes with what our ancestors was doing in the field of battle? Because there's Medal of Honor after Medal of Honor. There is no greater number of Medal of Honors for black classifieds, people subject to black classification in the United States military that is greater than the Medal of Honors earned by our elders, our ancestors in the Civil War. It's true or not true? Please Google that. Now, what the hell was they doing so great that self-proclaimed white supremacists on the North and the South had to acknowledge the gallantry of our ancestors during the Civil War? That's why I was watching. That's why I saw the trailer Will Smith had on the Union uniform. He had a gun in his hand, and I had to watch. I wanted to see. And yes, there was Negro trauma drama. Yes, there were horrors of slavery. Yes, they show all the cruelties outside of uh, straight up and down uh, rape, which I appreciated. But it was hinted, and it was in your window. But they didn't take you down that road and men and women got raped during slavery uh, don't get it twisted uh, let's move on but the fight scene was fulfilling uh, the brothers put in some work and the main character not only did he live, he was able to overcome the antagonist. Uh, the antagonist was taken off the planet. And he went back to go get his family off of that terror squad plantation. Now, I've been begging. I've been hooping and hollering. Anybody who know me and, and sits down with me to break bread, I would always be talking about, man, you should know the stories of the ancestors who got up off the plantation, got tooled up, then returned back to the plantation to put in work. The movie wasn't about that, but in order to tell this story, Will Smith had to show that aspect, and I will say this, one of the greatest warriors of this Civil War area, subject to black classification, was an ancestor by the name of Andre Cayo. Andre Cayo. That is A-N-D-R-E. I hope I smell his last name right. It's some type of French last name. C-A-I-L-O-U-X. I say this because please research Andre Cayo. See, we hear stories about Daniel Boone and John Henry and uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. 
but Andre Captain. Let me put respect on his name. Captain Andre Cayo was a real life, true warrior legend. And it is an indictment on the United States why there are not memorials and statues and monuments depicting his image and those who followed in his footsteps. Do you understand me? The way people talk about Michael Jordan, oh, he's this, and be slobbering all over Michael Jordan, uh, that's the only or that's the only thing that I could describe as the adoration that should be had for Captain Andre Caillou. And I got to admit, fellow black classifieds, in this movie, Will Smith had Andre Cayo in the movie. If you don't know history, you don't even know who you're looking at. You don't know what you're looking at. But if you know history, I know history. I got choked up. I got choked up. And my beloved life partner, my attempted wife, looked at me and said, are you choked up? And you know, I, what you talking about? A little something in my eye. But I got choked up because this is only the tip of the iceberg. Am I saying Will Smith is, should be uh, tarted for this or tarted for that? No, I'm just giving credit for what credit do. Will Smith, on behalf of old John G., I'm speaking for myself. If you don't want to subject yourself to it, don't do it. But those of you who understand the sacrifice, the gallantry, the bravery, the fortitude that our ancestors, men, women, and children had to have to get themselves up out that situation, There is no way that this particular film disrespects that. That's what I will say. And those of you who are less confused and you're boycotting it, I respect your position. But those of you, if there are any of you out there that covet the legacy of the emancipation generation, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If there's any of you who covet the legacy of the emancipation generation, I would highly recommend researching these individuals that the movie is about, researching the events that the that uh, surrounds and, and forms the environment, because there's a lot of stuff going on. But Black Classifieds was about the business of putting in work while everybody else is doing all the hemming and hawing. And the work that we put in was the reason why there is a such thing called the United States today. Now that's either true or it's not true. And before I let you get up out of here, I have to play the scene that had old John G. choked up. It won't mean nothing to you. If you don't know who this, per this person lived, it was really here. Without further ado, Captain Andre Caillou. Caillou. 
All of us ran here. But as of now, no more running. Billy Yank and Johnny Rail, they fight for money and power. We fight for something bigger. We fight for freedom. Not to prove something to some general. Freedom! Freedom for you. Freedom for the man next to you. Freedom for the people back in the fields. We will not ask for freedom. We will not wait for freedom to be handed to us. We will take freedom! Native Guard! Forward! March! And there you have it, Captain Andre Cayo, Will Smith's Emancipation film, Straight No Chaser, Bars. And I have to give old Will Smith and the director, screenplay writer, and all the actors involved. A salute. What no caricature bad guys. What no scuffling and shiftless Negroes. It was just the most real depiction of the events up to date. Could it be better? Of course it could be better. But we are in the system of racism, white supremacy. And until we replace that system with a system of justice, this is the best you gonna get. Now that's either true or it's not true. And I hope I have contributed to less confusion. And always remember, keep learning and stay codified.